The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome. MMA on the rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 170 of the podcast. Are you joining us live here on YouTube? Today is Saturday, December the 21st. Early episode this week. We gave you a late episode last week, so we'll give you a day early this week because the UFC took place in Busan, South Korea early in the morning here on the east coast of the united states before we get into that let me introduce my jolly co-host all the way from new jersey jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this uh saturday morning my friend i'm ecstatic (laughs) i got two weeks off bill from work so, and, um, you know, I got a whole bunch of gift cards from uh, different families and stuff. So, overall, Bill, I cleared 400 bucks in gift cards. So, uh, we had a good haul. Damn, kid. That's a lot of Buffalo Wild Wings. Indeed it is. Indeed <laughs> it is. The, Jeff, the fans want to know if there's a special Christmas soup. No. No? We should We should start that, though. Yeah, why not? We'll, we'll talk about it on the air. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do for episodes in the in the coming weeks here. Yeah, but you got the horde <laughs> coming in of in laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the in law hurricane is 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 landing soon, which is why we're doing this episode early as well. So um, the wife's family coming in from all over the world, from three different continents, and we're gonna be spending the holidays together. Uh, it's gonna be intense but it's going to be a fun time you know all the kids together you know we're renting a big house a lot of cousins that haven't met each other yet um there are cousins coming in from japan from switzerland from peru from other parts of the united states um and it's going to be about 40 of us under one roof for a week in orlando um so i don't know what that means for mma on the rocks i don't know if i'll be able to sneak away and do a, an episode at some point, or if if this is it for 2019, Jeff. Um, and, and either way, I think I'm happy with the way this year shaped up, and 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 the way we're going to end it here today, talking about the fights in South Korea. Um, and if we're able to uh, get another episode in before the decade closes out, then that'll just be an added bonus, I guess. But we we just got to give it all we got for today. What do you think? Yeah, man. You know, if if this is it for the decade, you know, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I feel like entering my fourth decade, I still haven't learned anything. So, um, you know, should be a good time. Wait, your fourth decade? Yeah, I grew up, I was born in the 90s, grew up in the 90s and lived through the 2000s, through 2010s. And now these are the 2020s. This is my fourth decade on this earth. This is still not making sense to me because you're not even 30. Yeah, but 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now 
2020s. Oh yeah, I guess go. Yeah, I guess go, going into it because you'll be in your 30s and the, I don't know, Jeff. It's it's too early for me, but it's not too early for a little bit of beer. And by a little bit of beer, I mean this giant quart of beer that I'm holding in my hands uh, that I brought back from my road trip back from New York. This was a brewery in Afton, Virginia called Blue Mountain Brewery. Uh, stopped there, little pit stop on the way back to Florida, and uh, really good beer, really good food, really good people. Uh, the beer was so good that uh, we brought some home, uh, drank it at the Airbnb, and then went back the next morning and, and got a couple more to bring back here to Florida. So this is a crowler of a special release IPA they did called a Full Noonan. Uh, it's a play on their flagship IPA, which is called a Full Nelson. Uh, which is a great reference for any wrestlers who are also beer drinkers out there. It's a nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's a nice, um, nice holiday IPA. You know, it's got a little pine to it, a little pine on the aftertaste, a uh, real smooth IPA flavor, not too bitter. Um, and, you know, I got a nice 32 ounces to get me through this episode here, Jeff. So uh, I could be feeling good. It's at six, 6.8% alcohol by volume. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm going to be feeling pretty jolly by the time we're done here and it's not even noon yet. Yeah, Bill, you're going to you're going to need about a couple of cases of those to get through uh the next couple of weeks, man. <laughs> don't worry, Jeff. If if you know me, which I know you do, you know my bar is well stocked and I have a backup bar in my bedroom, which is even more well stocked. <laughs> yeah, but Bill, that that was, you know, when it was a couple of in-laws at a time. Now you have the whole clan coming in. It's different, man. So it's, it's gonna be a different animal, Bill. You're right. I better start doing meth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Florida, you know. If you can't beat them, join them. Um, in any case, let's talk about some fights here, Jeff. That's what we're really here to do. So early morning card. Um I I was up in time to catch some of it. Um, but, yeah, same here, dude. But uh, also, you know, morning times are are for the for the daughter who uh, is becoming increasingly more demanding. She's she's just learned Jeff how to call my name from another room, and she's figured out that when she calls my name, that I I will come. Um, and this is this has been a terrible experience for me um, because now she knows exactly what kind of power she wields. And it's a dangerous thing for a two year old. Um, <clears throat> in any case, I had to uh, get her going in the morning, get her breakfast done and stuff. And then I had to go back and, and rewatch the fights. And man, we had some, we had some really good fights here. We had some unexpected results. Uh, we had some expected results uh, and everything in between. Let's start at the top with the main event. So Frankie Edgar steps in for the injured Brian Ortega on like two weeks notice. So Brian Ortega was supposed to fight Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung in the main event of this South Korea card. And, um, you know, if you need somebody to step in at the last minute and step up to the plate and who is always reliable, of course you look to the answer, Frankie Edgar. Um, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people in the know knew this was a bad choice for him. So, um, 
and and that's the way it worked out as well. I mean, two weeks notice and right around the holidays. I'm sure Frankie Edgar was in shape, but you know, not a full training camp, not a full chance to prepare for a dangerous opponent like Chan Sung Jung. And, uh, and he paid for it. Uh, I think what we saw was a Frankie Edgar that is just a, a, a few steps behind what he used to be. He looked really oversized, um, really outsized by Korean zombie here. Yeah. And, um, you know, just couldn't move his head off the center line. Like he normally does that, that Frankie Edgar style that made him famous and, and, uh, and gave him so much success, even at lightweight, uh, when he was the lightweight champion, uh, it's just not there anymore. That ability to move in and out of the pocket and kind of float in and out of it while moving his head off the center line. It doesn't seem like he's able to do all those things in, in step anymore. Um, and, Korean zombie is as even though he has that stiff Korean style, um, you know, he was just able to time Frankie Edgar and, and uh, picked his shots and was patient in there. And the, the, the strangest thing about this fight was the refereeing by Mark Goddard because Frankie Edgar was in some bad spots and Mark Goddard is yelling, get out of there, Frankie, as if he's like coaching him or cornering him. You know, I, I can understand him saying, like, if you don't defend yourself, I'm going to stop the fight. But you can't tell the fighter, like, he's got to get out of there. And he did it three separate times. He's like, get out of there, Frankie. Get out of there. Um, super weird. Super awkward. Uh, the worst referee in the game. I can't stress this enough. Um, I feel like every time this guy's in there, he's doing something awful. And it, what makes it worse is 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 refusal to admit when he's in the wrong um you, you know the stand-up uh, over uh between kamaro usman and damian maya is one of the worst mm. calls in the history uh, of bad calls and and this was just this was just beyond strange to me um how can you be officiating uh a match between two fighters and uh and, and giving one of them advice <laughs> I mean, this this is so this is so odd to me, and it goes back to the fact that there's there's no repercussions for the referees when they do something wrong, or the judges, which is why I've been advocating for years for a governing body that oversees all the athletic commissions. Um, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon, but uh, you know, it doesn't change my feelings about the fact. Anyway, give me your thoughts on the performance of the Korean Zombie here, uh, the choice of Frankie Edgar stepping in on short notice to replace Brian Ortega and the refereeing of Mark Goddard here, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Um, so just going back to what I said last week, you know, I thought this was not the fight for Frankie to take, man. Um, and, and, you know, he paid for it. Uh, and I love Frankie. I, I didn't want to see either of these fighters lose. Um, you know, I'm a fan of both of them. But take nothing away from Korean Zombie, dude. Um, his striking was crisp. You know, he was everything was super technical. Um, I didn't see him struggling anywhere. And um, my issue with Mark Goddard was similar to what you said. Um, you know, the whole yelling at Frankie to get out of there like he's his coach. You know, he could have verbalized that differently. And he, I understand Frankie's a tough guy, but he let that fight go on way too long. Um, you know, Frankie took a beating that he really shouldn't have. Um, 
you know, from the first time he went down, you could tell he was struggling. He Mm -hmm. wasn't, he, he was trying to get up, but he wasn't doing it intelligently. He wasn't defending himself. Uh, I, I felt like the stoppage could have come probably two minutes earlier. Yeah, and a hard time getting out from the bottom. Frankie Edgar, yeah. a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Ricardo yeah. Almeida. Uh, you could tell he was rocked on the bottom there because he wasn't doing all the right things to get himself out of that position. Now, uh, again, not to take anything away from Korean Zombie, he was doing all the right things on top. He was keeping his hips heavy. He was putting pressure down on Frankie, but um, still the, the right moves weren't being executed there uh, from the bottom by Frankie Edgar. So... I mean, this is a bummer. I mean, you hate to see a guy like Frankie Edgar, who's an absolute legend. I mean, the guy won a world championship at his walk-around weight, which I don't think that's stressed enough. I mean, the guy walks around like 154 pounds, and he was the 155-pound champion. Um, I I think, personally, that's one of the greatest achievements by any champion ever because uh, you look like look at a guy like Kamaru Usman. He walks around like well over 200 pounds and he's a 170 pound champion. Um, you, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. He, that that's the rules and he never misses weight and he, he puts his body through what he has to do. But I think it's so much more impressive when a guy like Frankie Edgar is able to go in and compete with bigger opponents at his walk around weight. Uh, in any case, I don't want to make this all about, uh, crying a river for Frankie Edgar here. Uh, Korean zombie looked phenomenal and look, he had a last minute opponent replacement too. He was preparing for Brian Ortega, which is a very different fight than Frankie Edgar. You know, he's probably doing a lot of, a lot of grappling, which explains why he looked so heavy on top of Frankie Edgar. Um, and he came in and, and had to have a striking match with, with one of the best boxers in the history of the division. And he looked really good, uh, especially with all the pressure of fighting in Korea. Uh, so yeah. What do you think is next for Korean zombie here? Cause he called out Volkanovsky. I like that call out. Um, I, I would think that Max is, is deserving of immediate rematch. But like I said last week, I would like to see Max Holloway bulk up the, the right way and make the move to lightweight. Uh, which puts Korean Zombie in, in the perfect timeline uh, for a, a title defense when when Volkanovski is ready to go. Uh, you know, sometime in the spring of 2020. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Dude, um, I, I think yeah, I, I think let's do it. I can't think of anybody else at 145 um, that I can see really standing out to me in terms of title challengers for Volkanovski. Um, you know, if Jose Aldo was still at 145, I'd love to see him run it back with Korean Zombie because when they first fought each other, Korean Zombie fought two rounds with a dislocated shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see them run it back. But if Aldo's going to stay at 135, let's do it, man. Give Korean Zombie a title shot. He's somebody that I would love to see as a UFC champion. I think he represents himself and his country um, in a fantastic way. And he's a fan favorite, man. Uh, there's a reason they call him the Korean Zombie. He never stops moving forward, and I've always loved that fighting style about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, not not a lot of other contenders come to mind uh, since Max Holloway cleared that division out. Pretty much, um, you got the uh, you, you got Yair and Zabit, but those two have unfinished business. We've got to see we've got to see that fight. 
uh, before either one of those guys gets a title shot because that one's kind of been up in the air for a while and a lot of back and forth and, and whatever other nonsense has gone on with that. So until they settle that, uh, I don't want to hear either of them mentioned in the title shot picture. And I think Volkanovski and Korean zombie is an awesome fight. I think that's definitely the fight to make. Um, let's see. I want to, I want to go through a couple of listener comments and questions here. So our buddy Tommaso Mark, um, wants to know if Korean zombie should get a title shot or if Max should get a rematch. I think we addressed that one. Um, and then let's see. He said, Mark Goddard should not be allowed to ref grapplers. I amen to that. I partially agree. I think Mark Goddard should not be allowed to ref at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, our buddy Jeff Bogman wants to know what's the best white elephant gift. I think that, um, that depends on your price range. Uh, personally, I think if you're showing up to a white elephant party and you're not bringing alcohol, um, like don't go. <laughs> I think oh, I was going to say, Jeff, that the best white elephant gift is a zune by Microsoft. What you is know what? It's like an, it's like an iPod, but not as good. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they give something that's not Bill, good? I don't think they make these things anymore. That's how bad their first run was. It's like an MP3 player. How but, about but how about no just, iPod? How about like a bag of soup? Because that would be fun to have people pass Bill, that around. Bill, if we're gonna go that way, it needs to be Campbell's and it needs to be canned. <laughs> I don't like it in the can, Jeff. <laughs> 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 I, I think i think uh I, I think uh mama wilson's soup in like a bag like dry mix ingredients like you just add hot water <laughs> i think this I, I think this should be our first line of uh merchandise yeah yeah we could go that route i was um, thinking shot glasses in any case I would say if you, it depends on your on your price limit. If it's like under twenty dollars, I'd say like a nice bottle of Old Forester, uh, the eighty six proof or the hundred proof. Um, if it's a more expensive white elephant party, I'll go for like a nice Scotch or something, maybe a like a Macallan ten, something like that. Um, but definitely booze, definitely booze, and then uh, you know show up to the party with a six pack or something at least. Um, Okay, let's go to the co-main event here. Vulcan Ozdemir and Alexander Rakic. Um, first, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that was the one growing out of Alexander Rakic's leg. Um, oh, dude, <laughs> I think I think he was like he was spawning another leg. Like there, he was growing a third leg out of his knee, and it was it was due to the low calf kicks uh, from Ozdemir that were landing perfectly this just shin right on the soft part of Rakic's shin uh and it started out as just like a little worm and it grew into like this huge mass on his leg and you saw in the corner they were trying to massage it into his leg and flatten it out and they did a little bit but then it kept swelling um and i think that's really what influenced the judges because if you look at the the striking 
and uh, the grappling and the octagon control. I thought it was all rakage for the first two rounds. That's the way I saw it anyway. I gave the third round to Ozdemir. Um, the judges saw it a little bit differently, understandably so, because, um, you know, rakage had all that damage to his leg. But from where I was sitting, Jeff, uh, the damage to his leg didn't affect him at all. He was still throwing kicks with it. He wasn't changing his stance. He wasn't stepping on it gingerly. Uh, it just looked like a lot of nasty swelling. And I think it was all aesthetic. I don't think it affected his performance. Like I said, I scored the first two rounds for Rakic, especially the way he was controlling all of the grappling exchanges. He had a couple of nice takedowns. Uh, he was controlling the the underhook position, the 50-50 up against the cage, um, which is a position that I stress a lot. Every now and then uh, when I when I coach some wrestling classes over here at Gracie Clearwater, um, I, I always like to stress the importance of that 50-50 over-under position uh, and how crucial it is for the standing grappling. Um, it, it's really one of the, one of the most under-talked-about positions in the sport, uh, and it it can make or break a lot of a lot of positions and a, and a lot of progress. So I thought Rakic controlled all of that, and I thought he landed the more damaging strikes. Ozdemir's face was pretty was pretty banged up by the end of this fight. It was super close, though. Um, you, you know, you could have you could have scored any of the rounds either way. Even that third round, I thought Ozdemir won, but Rakic had some big explosions where he almost he almost put Ozdemir away. This was a great fight, especially now that I'm kind of talking through it. Um, th this was, uh, this was the fight of the night for me. Um, I, I thought it was awesome, but, uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. How did you see this one going down? Yeah, dude. Um, Bill, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Actually, I thought Ozdemir won. Um, but I agree with you that it was super close. Could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt like Rakich was doing a good job. Like you said, of getting into that 50, 50, the over underhook, which is one of my favorite positions, because if you pull hard enough on one side and push up the other people go over like a cup of tea, man. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just felt like Rakich would entered the position really well, but then was not able to do enough with it. I didn't see any, any takedowns come from them. Um, Ozdemir, yes, he struggled a little bit, but he didn't look out of the fight. And to me, that's important is, um, you know, he kept in the second round, um, Rakich, uh stepped into a nice single and then tripped Ozdemir, but he couldn't hold him down. Mm -hmm. um, Ozdemir was able to pop back up again. And to me, that's very telling. Um, it tells me that his takedowns are good, but his grappling, it's a little bit lacking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked about how hard it is to hold somebody down. But, you know, a nice takedown definitely helps with that. Um, and I just felt like rounds, for me, rounds one and three went to Ozdemir. Um, you know, I had it two rounds for Ozdemir. And it's a really tough call, man. I'd have to go back and watch it, honestly. Because um, listening to what you're saying in my head, I'm like, hmm, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I could see why Rakich won that fight. So I'd have to go back and watch this one. Um, it's so hard to watch a fight the first time because you're into it. And, and it's hard to step back and watch it analytically. Um, so this is one of those fights where you kind of got to watch it again. So I might have to do that. But, you know. As of right now, <coughs> excuse me, I just felt like 
Rakich did not do enough for me to justify giving him that fight. Yeah, I I could see all that. I think it was just the uh the control of the position that that Rakich had and and uh you know landing the more headshots, but um you know the those those leg kicks add up. And I mean, if you're a judge that's never been in a cage fight and you see that leg swelling up like that. I, I think that's going to have a big impact on on how you see the fight and how you score it. Um, but but for me and noticing how, you know, and that was the, that was the biggest difference in the fight to me. And, but for me, noticing how Rakish reacted and how it wasn't affecting the way he fought, um, you know, I didn't put a lot of value on that. Uh, in any case, the fight I want is Alexander Rakish and Johnny Walker. Um, I think this is absolutely the fight to make. Uh, they're both big, strong, light heavyweights with a lot of knockout power. I think it'll be an exciting fight. Uh, you know, we saw that Rakich has some grappling and yeah, he wasn't able to hold Ozdemir down, but I think Daniel Cormier is the only one who has been able to hold Ozdemir down. Um, as for Ozdemir, I would love to see a, the rematch with Anthony Smith when Anthony mm. Smith is healthy. Uh, that was a fun fight. Um, it, you know, we saw that's when we really saw Anthony Smith's grappling and the level that it's at. Um, so I think those are two fun fights to make going forward. Um, you, you see anything different, Jeff, that I'm missing? No, no. I like both of those fights for this light heavyweight division, especially the Rakich versus Johnny Walker fight. Um, after, after his last knockout loss, I think, um, I think Johnny Walker struggles here. I think Rakich stylistically has the advantage here. Um, but, Bill, um, Tommaso Mark actually has another question for us. He said, did anyone else think that Choi was stopped early? It wasn't like a flash KO like Edgar Mendez. just seemed like it could have went longer. What do you think, Bill? Um, absolutely not. I think it was a good stoppage. I mean, he was out cold. Uh, he went to step in for that uppercut. Um, and, and he was doing it over and over again, and he was getting lazy with it. You, you know, when you step in with your hand dropped that low, and especially you're tightened up, everything is tense from trying to throw that uppercut really hard, especially the way Duho um, throws his strikes. Um, you know, that's just a, a recipe for, for walking into a big strike. And, um, he, you know, he started to get lazy even at the end of the first round where he was dominating Charles Jordan. Uh, I mean, it looked like Jordan was completely outclassed. He was a three to one underdog in this fight. And in the first round, you saw why Duho was just beating the fuck out of him. Uh, he was big brothering him on the ground. Um, but then he started to get lazy, started to drop his hands. And we saw the cardio of Jordan make the big difference. Um, you know, all those big, powerful strikes and the way that Duho fights so tense, uh, really will sap the energy out of your muscles. Um, and it was an, it was an awesome comeback from Jordan who was not supposed to win this fight. I mean, let's be realistic here. They're bringing in the Korean Superboy to fight in Korea uh, against a guy who he's a, he's a three to one favorite over. Um, he was supposed to win this fight in front of the Busan crowd. I mean, I think he was one of the only fighters on the card that's actually from Busan. Um, but I, I thought it was a, a great uh, a great stoppage. And and the other thing is he's fighting a guy who is 0-1 in the UFC. Um, so he was definitely supposed to smash this guy. But, you know, credit to Jordan for, for showing heart and, and showing uh, tenacity and the, the fact that he can 
that he can stay in there uh, after facing adversity. Um, you know, that's a huge, huge win for him. And uh, I, I thought Duho was out cold. I think it was a, a good stoppage. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I'm with you 100%, man. Um, it looked like Duho Choi had it. In the first round, dude, I thought it, w- it was gonna. I thought he was gonna actually finish uh, Jordan here, and you know he had him wobbled. Um, but like you said, man, uh, he started dropping his hands too much, especially for those uppercuts. They were getting really easy to read, and Jordan just went in there and did the right thing, man. Um, the fastest point between points A and B is a straight line. And uh, that left hand came right down the middle and met Duho Choi before he knew what happened. So uh, I was a little disappointed to see Duho Choi lose, man. I'm a fan of his, but credit to Jordan, man. Um, he went in there, knew that it was going to be a tough fight, stuck it out. Like you said, his cardio held up. Uh, so good for him. That's a huge feather in his cap. Yeah, for sure, man. Not a good night for Ho 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 Choi. There you go. Now we have the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that out of the way at some point so we don't have to talk for 45 minutes after the show to, to figure it out. Um, well, one of the most impressive performances of the night, in my opinion, Da Eun Jung uh, against Mike Rodriguez. <clears throat> so I noticed early on in this fight, and that's not saying much because the fight only lasted a minute, that Mike Rodriguez was parrying way too low. Uh, what I mean when I say that a parry for those of you not watching on YouTube where I'm demonstrating is when you kind of slap a punch away with your hands. Now you, you don't want to reach below your jawline or too far below your jawline when you're parrying, especially with MMA gloves. Mike Rodriguez comes from a Muay Thai background where you have a little bit more padding on the gloves and you can parry a little bit further. Um, in my opinion, he was parrying even too far for if he were wearing Muay Thai gloves. And Da Eun Jung just timed this perfectly. Uh, he came in with an uppercut to make Rodriguez parry too low and then followed it up with a straight cross that just put him down and out hard. Um, this was the hardest knockout of the night. Um, da Eun Jung, an unusual fighter, one, because he's six foot four and as a Korean. Uh, that's just not something you see if you go walking around the streets of Korea as people who are six foot four. Uh, he's a big, strong dude. Um, he, he made a big statement in this fight. Uh, I think from what I remember, he was more grappling heavy in his UFC debut. So we, we know he can grapple and now we know he's got that punching power. Um, yeah, a submission win in his, uh, in his UFC debut back in August against Caddy's uh, Ibragamov. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a per, I thought it was a perfect performance by Da Eun Jung uh, because I noticed that Mike Rodriguez was parrying way too low and I saw Jung just timing that strike. And I thought it was, I thought it was a beautiful strategy to come in with that uppercut, knowing that Rodriguez was going to drop his hand and then just coming across to that straight, right? It was, it was a beautiful display of striking. Um, and, and that was, that was the knockout of the night in my book. I, I don't know who got the bonuses or anything like that, but, um, I, I thought it was an awesome performance by Jung. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, that's why we call this human chess, man. Um, Down Jung just doing such a good job of 
building that pattern in Mike Rodriguez. And I've talked about this before. Um, you know, John Jones did this in his second fight with DC where he would throw certain strikes so that the opponent would get used to blocking or parrying a, a very particular way. Then at the end, you change it up. They think you're going for the original strike because they already have that pattern in their brain. And then you th you throw something that they were not expecting at them, something outside of the pattern, like a straight cross, a very, very hard straight cross, and they're not expecting it, and that's the final blow. So mm -hmm. huge, huge um, credit to Down Jung. Um, th that's human chess right there in a nutshell, man. Yeah, man. Um yeah, I thought that was the the most impressive performance, uh, just because of just because of that ending sequence. I thought it was really high level striking. Um, Cyril Gan looked really good against Tanner Bozer. These are two like really quick heavyweights. Uh, you know, it's not the type of fight you expect to see from a heavyweight. Uh, I was impressed by the composure of Cyril Gan here. Uh, we were talking last week about how he's a heavyweight to keep your eye on. Goes a distance for the first time in his career. He was disappointed by that, but he gets the unanimous decision victory over Tanner Bozer. Uh, he was really good at controlling the distance in this fight. Using his jab, just peppering strikes. Even when he had Bozer hurt, he wasn't rushing in, uh, which is a uh, something that you see very commonly in the heavyweight division is, is guys rush in because they know they have that knockout power. The problem is, in the heavyweight division, pretty much everyone else has that knockout power. So when you rush in, that's when you get caught. Um, but he didn't do that. He stayed composed, and he took the unanimous decision instead of trying to force the finish. I thought we saw a lot of uh, a, a, a whole other dimension from Cyril Gann, who we know has knockout power because we've seen him knock guys out. We know he has submissions because we've seen him submit people. And now we know he has patience and composure. I think this is a, a heavyweight contender definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, I think he's going to be a big superstar, especially um, now that MMA has become legal in France. So once they do that, uh, once they do that first card in in Paris or or wherever they end up choosing, um, you, you know, you got yourself you got yourself a star here. In addition to Francis Ngannou, who will likely uh, headline that card, which I think. I think it's coming up sometime in the spring. I don't know if they have a date yet or not, but uh, UFC will be going to France, and and they'd be stupid not to have Cyril gone on that card. Um, uh, really impressive. I, I, I've been telling you guys to keep an eye on him for a while. I said last week that he would be somebody to watch. Um, not a highlight reel performance by any means, but uh, definitely very telling for the future of this guy's career. Uh, he's, he's definitely going to be a problem in this heavyweight division. Uh, so remember I told you guys that. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on Cyril Gon before I throw a couple others at your way, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Uh, Cyril Gon, I think we're seeing a new dimension to his MMA is, you know, that patience, that calculation, that methodical um, approach, which, man, dude, it, you got to know when you can finish an opponent and when you have to go for the marathon here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Zero Gone is starting to show that. Like you said, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Definitely going to make a splash in this heavyweight division one day. Um, and, dude, he's he's well-rounded. He's got the submissions. He's got the knockout power. Um, definitely somebody that I want to keep watching. Um, but, Bill, this is where my knowledge of this card ends because <laughs> um, I was just not up early enough 
to watch the rest of these fights. It's so you could throw me some some other prelims, but the only fights I really saw were from Cyril Gan, then I fell asleep for an hour, and then I saw Duan Jung go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you saw all the all the better parts of this card. So I'll I'll throw some results your way. And if you think there's any future implications by who won, then you can interject there. Um so just a couple of things. John uh John Young Park with a unanimous decision over Mark Andre Barrialt. Uh Kyung Ho Kang with a close split decision victory over Ping Yuan Lu. Um that was a really close fight and the judges saw it as such. Uh Sang Wu Choi uh beat the fuck out of Suman Mokhtarian. Uh, this fight could have been stopped a couple of times. And, and Mokhtarian, super tough guy, but um, just got outskilled in this fight. And then uh, Alexander Pantoja with a big uh, knockout victory in the first round over Matt Schnell. Uh, so that's a huge one for Pantoja. Um, let's see. Saeed Nurmagomedov loses unanimous decision to Ronnie Barcelo, uh, Barcelos. Um, Miranda Granger submitted in the first round by Amanda Limos. And um, that's pretty much it. There, there, there wasn't a whole lot going on the, the, the opening act of this card. Um, but yeah, for those of you who are just listening to the episode and you didn't wake up early to watch this, um, definitely go back and watch uh, Korean zombies finish of Frankie Edgar. Um, I would say definitely watch the Ozdemir and Rakage fight, especially because Jeff and I saw it so differently. Um, you know, we're usually aligned on these things, but uh, you know, we, th there's, there's close fights and, and this was one of those. So let us know what you guys thought of that one. If you, if you get a chance to go back and watch it and uh, definitely the Charles Jordan uh, knockout of duo Choi. And uh, the Daun Jung finish of Mike Rodriguez, and if you really don't have much to do, check out the performance of Cyril Gan. But I think we we summarized it pretty well uh, on here. Uh, any other uh, closing thoughts on this fight night one sixty five from Busan? Yeah, just just keep an eye out for Alexander Pantoja, man. Um, he's racking up the wins in his flyweight division. Uh, you know, we, we're still unsure about what's going to happen, if they're going to keep it or not. But if they do, man, he could give Henry Cejudo a tough time. Um, you know, Cejudo has advanced a lot in his striking, but, it, you know, it's still, it's still, I would say, at the intermediate level for MMA. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, good good card overall. Uh, I think it was fun. And, um, you know, for the UFC anyway, that puts a cap on 2019. I I'm not big into, like, the awards shows that a lot of podcasts do. Um, but I, I think... I think a little bit of reflection is kind of cool at the end of the year. New Year's to me it is nothing. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about like, oh, can't wait for this year to be over uh, so so I could get a, a new start. Uh, you're, you're living the same life you are uh, that you were on December 31st that you're going to live on January 1st. Uh, to me, uh, it's never been about that. Uh, I, I don't think it's a new start. It's a new beginning. If you weren't making shit happen for yourself in 2019, you're going to continue to not make shit happen for yourself in 2020. And if you have that kind of attitude, then 
uh, you know, you, you're always going to be handicapping yourself when it, when it comes to meeting goals in your life and things like that. And I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into like a, a motivational speech or anything, but just some moments I want to reflect on that, that were big moments for me in MMA in the past year, Jeff, I think, um, the fight between Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum mm. uh, was one that, that really stood out. And, uh, you happen to be here live for that card. That was a, that was an amazing card. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had our boy steamroller Frivolo was fighting on that card. Yeah. Uh, who, who had an awesome year in the UFC back to back wins. Um, I got to see him fight live. Uh, our other buddy, Billy Quarantello, won on the contender series and then dominated in his UFC debut. Uh, those were definitely highlights of the year for me. And uh, I think the Douglas Lima knockout of Michael Venom page is one uh, that that's really, you know, was a, was an outstanding memory uh, from this past year of MMA and uh, so many other things, but those are the things that kind of jump out to me. Um, and I, I know I didn't ask you to prepare or anything, Jeff, but, uh, you know, is it, is there anything that's like really standing out from the past year of mixed martial arts in your mind? Oh, absolutely, man. Um, you know, you mentioned the Adesanya versus Gashlam fight, and I always forget about that one because of how, because that was the co-main event of that card mm -hmm. because of how good the main event was, you know, that was when Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier, put on for me fight of the year yeah. um and i know i know that's a hard category to pick because there's so many but i just remember that one so vividly um you know they went to war with each other for the 155 pound belt and i'm really happy for dustin poirier you know he's a journeyman uh for sure and i think he deserves to be a ufc champion um i can't wait to see him um and Khabib get it on. That's going to be awesome. Um, uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Stipe Miasic, man, versus DC. Bill, after what DC did to him in the first fight, I had my doubts. Mm -hmm. But Stipe, he never stopped believing in himself. He was not going to try and get um, climb that ladder again. He was like, I'm already at the top. So I'm going to wait for my title shot. Uh, yeah. However long it takes DC, I'll wait for him. If he wants to fight Brock first, that's fine. Um, then that, you know, that fell through. Um, so, you know, Stipe is just, um, you know, that, that resilience, man. You got to respect the hell out of him for it. And I'll throw you one more. For me, another highlight, and this is not really UFC related, um, but seeing Serena De Jesus get signed by Invicta, man. Um, she's another journey woman. Um, you know, good for her, dude. I'm so happy for her. I hope things really go well for her because uh, we, we kind of know her a little bit well. Mm -hmm. and, and we see, you know, we've seen her um, and, and, you know, what she's um, been through on her journey. Um, and, Bill, just, just to address the whole New Year thing coming up, I don't think it's a bad idea to, you know, kind of reflect a little bit, see what you can do better. But overall, I think I agree with you, man. Um, and and I, I attribute this back to my jujitsu journey because you know where I've been, Bill. Mm -hmm. And um, you'll get there when you get there. But the thing is you can't stop working to get there. You know, once you slow down, once you stop – that's where, for me, you failed. 
Um, you know, I don't, th and you always tell me this, Bill, uh, we're either winning or we're learning from it. So, you know, it's a mentality that I try to instill in my students. You know, if we have a bad test, I'm like, listen, we'll do better on the next one. We just got to keep working at it. Um, and speaking of jujitsu journeys, Bill, somebody in this room, well, chat room, just got his purple belt. So, Bill, <laughs> congratulations. You deserve it, man. Um, you know, I'm I I am a blue belt. I got it last December, but I've trained with some guys um, who didn't always feel like purple belts. Um, and that's not to insult anybody. I just felt like maybe they got promoted for reasons other than how they train. Um, and, you know, you can't blame people. You know, we all have people we enjoy. We all have people we like. Um, so, you know, I don't want to come out and say it's nepotism, but, you know, we, we all have our favorites. But, Bill, you're somebody who um, you're a grinder, man, and you definitely deserve it. So congrats on the purple belt. You're one of, like I said, you always keep me on my toes whenever I come down there and train with you. Um, I always feel like I take something back here from training with you guys out there. Um, so, Bill, congrats, man. Well, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not one to to bring up my own accomplishments, but yeah, purple belt in jujitsu is something I, I've worked towards for seven years training in this sport. Plus, um, you know, the added years prior to that grappling wrestling um yeah so kid. yeah yeah that's uh probably more challenging than getting a purple belt in jiu-jitsu but uh yeah definitely a highlight of 2019 a personal highlight of mine um and uh you know it's just a stepping to stone towards uh the ultimate goal of, of becoming a black belt which um i'm not gonna stop till i get there jeff and i'm not gonna I'm not going to wait for the year to change to, to start working on a new goal. You know, the, the new goal starts when the previous goal is achieved. Um, and, and that's the mentality you have to have to, to keep accomplishing things. Um, a, a couple other things in, in the MMA world, just to, just to kind of circle it back. And, uh, you know, as, as you were bringing up stuff, I was thinking of other things. Uh, definitely the Masvidal knockout over Ben Askren. Oh yeah. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah. That was phenomenal. Um, the, the beat down that Kamaru Usman handed Tyron Woodley, uh, mm, definitely yeah. stands out to me. Um, yeah, it's just so many things. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up the, the gruesome injuries we saw this year. Uh, most, the, the recency effect is the one with Alistair Overeem getting his face ripped open. Um, and I think the Mike Perry, uh, nose smash again. Mm. I believe it was uh, Vicente Luque. Uh, mm. He just got kneed in the nose. Um, those are two like images, like that that picture of Mike Perry's face and his nose just completely smashed in, and the picture of Overeem smiling with his lip hanging off of his face. Um, those are like two very iconic images. I think that came out of this year, um, and, and I think are going to be talked about for many years to come uh and there's just there's just been so much jeff you know um so many championships changing hands um the story of amanda nunez continuing oh, yeah. to evolve and and her 
absolute domination as as the greatest female fighter on planet earth bar none um you know she's beaten every bantamweight champion to ever hold the title and and beaten them convincingly knocking out cyborg when, when not a lot of people were giving her a chance um you know being the first openly gay champion in ufc history um th there's just so many awesome things about her story and uh you, you can't help but wish that she was an even bigger star than she is and and getting some of the opportunities that some of these other champions get um but yeah that was an awesome thing and uh just so much man i i mean you and i both love this sport so much there's so many great moments and there's so many more to come in 2020 and i know we're, we're talking about like the year's already over we may or may not do another episode uh in the meantime but yeah we don't have another card really the next ufc pay-per-view is not till january 18th so that's that's almost a month away uh we're gonna be in a different decade um uh, but it, anything else as, a, as i've been kind of rambling on here any did i jog your memory about anything else jeff yeah, dude, the fight between Masvidal and Nate Diaz, dude. Um, you know, seeing Nate Diaz basically have scars over his eyelid and under his eyelid. I I, I don't know how his eyelid stayed on his face. Yeah. Um uh there was something else. Uh Colby Covington's domination of um who was it? Was it uh it was either Robbie Lawler or uh Dos Anjos, but um seeing him become interim uh, lightweight champion. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, interim welterweight champion. Um, seeing Khabib come back. Um, you know, so many things, dude. Uh, and, and we could probably sit here for the rest of the day talking about this stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, dude. Coming back, and I finally got to tell the story of doing tequila shots with him. Oh, yeah, it only took six years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Anthony Pettis's uh, fight with uh, knockout of Wonder Boy, dude. You never see that. Yeah. Um, his fight with Tony Ferguson. I think that was this year. Um, uh, and for me personally, um, seeing Henry Cejudo knock out TJ Dillashaw become the Bantamweight champion as well as the Olympic champion and the 125-pound champion. You know, I was at that card and I completely forgot about it. Um yeah, dude, just so many things. Um, seeing the reaction to Cowboy when he had his fight on that card. Um, uh, Gregor Gillespie getting knocked out by Kevin Lee, dude. That was oh, yeah. fucking vicious, dude. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so many things. Um, but, yeah, Bill, um, I'm, I'm assuming this might be our last episode for the year and the decade because I don't know the, the amount of mental and emotional damage that – your in-laws are going to do to you, Bill. Um, I, I'm, we've never had so many gathered in one place, Bill. Um, yeah. It's going to be like world war Z in your house, dude. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a record for, for most in-laws uh, under one roof. Uh, but you know what? I, uh, I put all those years into getting that purple belt in jujitsu, <laughs> uh, go insane over a little Christmas party. Uh, so I'll I'll make it through, Jeff. You know you know me. I, I'm stocked up with uh, with plenty of whiskey and uh, and a and a good positive attitude. We're gonna have some fun. The kids are gonna have some fun. Maybe Santa Claus will make an appearance. Uh, it won't be me, 
it be my brother-in-law i think but uh in any case i'll 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 be documenting everything we're staying at a really cool house we obviously we had to get a really big house to accommodate everybody on our one roof but uh i sent you the link last night to check it out it's like a it's like an amusement park house we're staying yeah. at so i'll be documenting this on my instagram story if you guys want to follow along at mma on the rocks as well as the holiday festivities um I want to know what you guys are all drinking out there for the holidays. Any special whiskeys or, or cocktails or beers that you come across, you know, please do share them with us. We're always looking for, for new things to try out and new ideas. And that, that reminds me some of the best booze of the year, Jeff, that Lagavulin 11 year that you brought to my sister's wedding is definitely up there for me. Um, I got into the, uh, old Forester, uh, prohibition series, uh, they're really good bourbons, uh, you know, especially for the price point. You get a really good bottle for under 60 bucks with those. And they're, they're really high quality bourbons, especially now that all the Buffalo Trace stuff is so hard to come by. Um, so many things. The, the distillery I visited in Virginia, uh, all the breweries I visited in uh, North Carolina, which you can read the blog about that trip on MMAontherocks.com. Uh, and see how I ranked all those breweries, those 19 breweries I visited on that road trip. Um, a lot of great booze this year, Jeff. Am I, am I leaving anything out? Yeah, I mean, we basically built your backyard when I was out there in <laughs> April, That's you know, right. for for the baby to run around on. Yeah, you know, that was fun, man. I, you know, I'm I always have to worry about the kids, uh, you know, my students, what they need to learn next, what skills they're lacking, what skills I need to improve upon, um, you know, who's having drama with who, and, you know, so, so many things that I got to write down and think about. So to be able to just work with my hands and, you know, not have to file and just be told what to do and, and, you know, just work with my hands and not have to think about what I got to do next. Uh, you know, to me that, that was, that was enjoyable, man. Um, like, uh, the one time I helped my dad, uh, install the new water heater, like, you, you know, you need, you need to do something mundane every now and then, or, or something, you know, where you can just work with your hands just to go from, keep from going insane, man. So for me, that was a highlight bill. You know, we're just having beers, um, you know, listening to reggae while we're doing it. So, so much fun, man. I've had to work with my hands a little bit too much for my liking this past year. Things falling apart in my house, but I'll leave it at this, Jeff. You know, in 2020, we're, we're going to continue to have some hardships and continue to work through them. And we're going to continue working on our goals from now. We're not waiting until January 1st. And I advise all of you to do the same thing. Uh, if you have a goal in mind that you're waiting to start working on for the new year, then start it right now. You know, start putting effort into it now. Don't wait for a calendar to tell you something or when to start something because that's just that's just a man-made entity. It's not even real. It's just the way it's just the way we something we made up so we know when to harvest the crops. Uh, it's not it's not meant to be any kind of new beginning. So your new beginning is right now when you're changing your attitude and starting to work on your goals that you're putting off till next year uh, and doing them now. And uh, I, I hope everybody accomplishes everything that they want for the rest of 2019 and even more in 2020. Hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, 
uh, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Kwanzaa, and and anything else, uh, any other holidays you want to celebrate in between or before or after, just have a good time, have some good drinks, and be good to each other out there. Um, that's all I got, man. You want to add anything, Jeff? Yeah, man. In the words of Jerry Springer, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. Until next time or until next year or the next decade. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.